Welcome to the Scale with Tech and AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Olivier Egley at Y Story. Olivier, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jay. Thank you for having me on. Hey, my pleasure. Can you kick us off and give us a top level overview of Y Story and what you do? Yeah, of course. Why Story was born out of a necessity. It's a small two-person consulting firm. I like to call us guides, not coaches, because we guide people who either have a business or want to improve their business or want to start a business on aligning their business practices with the laws of nature. And I know this sounds a little spiritual and whatnot, but it comes from a strong background that I realized most people do business in opposition with the laws of the universe, with the laws of energy, with the laws of nature. We Mm -hmm. tend to completely pervert our own self, our true self, and bring something else into business that has nothing to do with us because we're so driven by something that's unnatural. So Mm -hmm. I started this business in the effort to help people not do the mistakes that I did for over 20 years in marketing and advertising so that they could align their own truth with what they do rather than doing what they learned and just keep pushing and hustling with that until they either drop dead or retire. Yeah, I know I've had parts of my professional career or times when I felt like I'm really swimming upstream. I'm hitting the numbers, we're being productive, our KPIs are good, but it just feels going against the current. So I think I like intuitively know that what you're saying is so true Can you break that down for people with a little bit more of an explanation of there may be some examples of how to identify how to break those two things apart? Or what are we doing? What are some people doing wrong? Or are they just going about the wrong way? What's the functional piece of this that we can see or notice in our daily work lives? Absolutely. And there's one strong indicator. And the only indicator that ever matters in life is how you feel about your life, yourself, and your work. And when it comes to that, Jay, it's breaking my heart because I can go out on any given day. I can go to a coffee shop, a restaurant, talk to my insurance broker. I can just pick up the phone and order something or make a booking. And I sense that the person I'm talking to is not in the right place. There's something about what they do that does not align with what they believe, what they are about. There's a disconnection. But a lot of people do it because they want to make money, because they have mm. to survive, because it's what they'll learn, because it's the only thing they know or they think they know. So the relevant thing is that we never dismiss how we feel about things, because a lot of people, they dismiss how they feel about things just because the paycheck is good. And I'm here to tell people that paycheck will never make up for a missed opportunity at being happy. So being happy, this is like the expression of being alive. Being alive is about just one thing. It's about just one thing. And I had to learn it the super hard way. I was actually close to committing suicide just about nine years ago because I had it all. I had an almost seven-figure paycheck Okay, with what I did. I was good. I was golden. Me and my wife were traveling first class. We had three cars. We had three, no, two homes and one apartment. We were great. But I was a mad angry, upset guy who was just trying to start fights left and right. I was yelling at my team. I was infusing all my relationships with toxicity. I didn't even notice because I felt like I'm killing it. My KPIs are good. Everything everything Mm -hmm. works. I got clients. The phone is ringing. But at the same time, I was destroying myself. I was 
dismantling my own relationship, the most important thing I have when it comes to relationships, my wife, I was taking all the fun out of it mm -hmm. until one day I couldn't get up anymore. And I realized, what is the point in having things when that one thing that you have always had, which is your heart, which is your joy, which is your happiness, is not being fed anymore, not being nurtured anymore. So I had to actually let go of everything. And I kid you not, I let go of everything. People called me crazy. I gave up a career I had built up. I gave up all the possessions that I have. I gave up networks and relationships that I had worked hard for. I walked away from everything because I realized Somewhere along the road, I took the wrong fork. I took the wrong path. What happened? And I realized one thing that when it comes to human life, and this is especially true for men, there comes this thing we call midlife crisis, right? The questions change. It's not so much anymore. What can I have more? What can I do to have more? How can I kill it? How can I like achieve more? How can I just prove myself? At some point, the questions start to sound a little different. It's about meaning. It's about purpose. It's about what makes me happy. It's about what now, right? These questions start to get louder. And there's scientific evidence that this happens somewhere around like our early 30s. And it doesn't subside until the late 40s, early 50s, depending on how well we do with these questions. But you know what, Jay? Most people sweep those questions under the rug. Right. It's easier. What? <laughs> yeah, because they're afraid, because they're scared of letting go of what they achieved mm -hmm. in favor of something that might make them feel better, but also means less money, less accolades, less trophies on the wall and all these mm -hmm. things. And I realized that it's about one decision. It's just one decision that people cannot make. And that's where I help. The Y story is kind of like a guide in helping people in their business midlife crisis making that decision. And the decision is very simple. Are you going to choose safety and comfort or are you going to choose thriving and happiness? It's about that. And now bear with me. It sounds very simple, but it's the biggest problem in humanity. Every single problem we have on this planet and every single problem we've ever had stems from this decision. And the fact that we are not making it, we stay in the safe mm -hmm. zone. Yeah. We do what pays. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. And, and, and you're talking about the misalignment between humanity, your soul, your purpose, and what you actually physically are doing with your time. And you, Tony Robbins talks about that a lot too, this, this misalignment between you as a person and what you're choosing to do when you realized you were so unhappy, even though you were successful and you were viewed as very successful by pretty much any standard, what was the disconnect? What was the misalignment? What was it that you were missing that you couldn't see for so long? And that is such a good question because it is the question of all questions. I told you before that why story, what I do is about aligning people with natural principles, right? So here's the thing we know from psychology that every human being is born with all the potential already stored within, you know, like a little seed, the seed of an apple tree. The seed of an apple tree has the dream, the potential of a fully grown apple tree already in it. It's already there. But what we human beings don't understand is we think we have to add to the seed. We think we have to gather and garner more stuff what happens when you do that? The seed gets suffocated. 
You're not an apple tree anymore. Now you are the tree that bears the most fruit. You're the tree that will have the most revenue. You're the tree that is in the highest demand, but you disregard the fact that you were born with that seed. So the biggest thing you have to do is you have to strip away all the BS that you amass over decades. Mm -hmm. The teachings and learnings from your parents, your teacher. Yeah. Business, I have two MBAs. You cannot imagine how much crap I loaded upon my shoulders during those seven years where people programmed me into yeah. believing that I was actually someone else. Yeah. And I was about to, you're already way ahead of me there. I was about to jump in and say, there is a lot of programming. It's from society, it's from school, it's from parents, it's from outside influences who are not necessarily looking out for our best interests, right? And there's so much of that. It's hard, but probably impossible that it does not have an effect on us. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why so many people have this struggle. Would you agree yes, with that? I agree with you. But here's the thing. If you're five years old, you think you have a choice? You have a grown-up telling you what the world is about. Of mm. course, you're going to believe that person because A, you don't have a defense system yet. And B, the person is taller than you. Then nature <laughs> obliges that you listen to the leader because the leader knows something you don't. But the problem with that is that early on in our lives, we learn something that is a lie. And this, I hope if there's even just one thing that the people listening to this take away, I hope they take that away, is that the stories that we learn early on and that we keep nurturing in our heads are stories of scarcity and fear. So you're born a perfect being. You have everything already. The newborn has everything. If you were just to be nurtured in who you are, you will be killing it. You will be a ball of light that everything you touch would just turn into gold. It will just happen. The problem is just that early on, your parents, and not because they're bad people, I'm never saying that, and your mm -hmm. teachers, not because they're bad people, but because they are programmed too. Mm -hmm. They forward their programming to you in believing that the world is dangerous and people are bad. And now imagine what kind of businesses will such a person build. They will build businesses that are defensive, businesses that take. I'm an advocate of building businesses that give. And that is the big difference. When I hit my midlife crisis, I realized I was a taker. I took from everyone. I was just, I, I was a director. I, I, I shot car commercials, hotel commercials, bank commercials, insurance, anything. You could just like... If you could pay me, if you could afford me, I would do it. I, I did things, Jay, that were morally so upsetting. I will not even mention them because they're like really a dark spot in my book. But they made me good money and they moved me forward, upward mm -hmm. on the ladder. But I realized I was just pillaging villages. I was just right. taking from the people because someone always has to pay for it. Yeah. And then I realized that in nature, the trees, the plants, everything is here to give. I realized everything around us is giving. The apple tree gives its apples. The pear tree gives its pears. Everything gives away its fruit because that's the cycle of life. But not us human beings because we're so conditioned into this scarcity mindset that we nurtured early on. We're all about the taking. Do you and think now, that we're taught on purpose to value the wrong things? Yeah, on purpose. This is like a 
conspiratorial question because whose purpose is it? Like, is it the system? And if it's the system, who represents the system? Of course, the system benefits from us not waking up to that reality. I hope we can all agree that as long as we remain productive, but at the same time also consuming, the economy remains in that state it is in right now. Because I've seen people who have very little, they still buy on Amazon, right? So it is that dangerous, toxic loop that we're in where we kind of compensate for the sadness in our life with consumption. And the economy wants yeah. that. Mm -hmm. The economy wants that. I'm opposing that. The businesses that I work with, and we're close to a thousand now, I help them transition from a transactional model to what I call a transformational model. The transactional model is the one where your business exists because you want transactions. Mm -hmm. That is not a valid business proposition because the world doesn't need transactions. Transactions is just one point in the chain of relationship with your customers. When, but if that becomes the cause for your business, you're definitely someone who is actually taking out value from the system because all you want is benefit for yourself. But if you're a transformational business, you don't exist for the transaction. You exist to infuse the system with value that helps people transform. And when I transform, what I mean by that is there's only one movement in nature that keeps nature alive and thriving. And that is when the seed turns into a seedling and the seedling turns into a tree or the butterfly that was a caterpillar before. Those are incredible those are incredible feats of nature. Like it's incredible that we as business people would disregard the most incredible power in nature and not use it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is if I give my people my value, they become transformed on their journey. Like they actually reach their potential. But the transactional business cannot do that because the transactional business just sells products. They just want the money at the end of the day. Yeah. They just want to sell a hotel room or a seat on an airplane. I think what you're talking about has been known for a very long time, probably since the beginning of time, but not something that most people understand and practice because of the opposing influences who would have you think and behave differently. Yeah. You know? Because I know what you're saying is 100% true, and we do that in our practice as well, is we want to provide value to other people, and in return, you get value back. That's how the universe mm -hmm. works. That's how it works. And it's such a simple concept, yet it's interesting. Like, how do we break people out of that mindset? Because I think having that discussion, the way that you laid it out is so obvious, right? You can't, I don't mm -hmm. think you can really make an argument against it. From a practical standpoint, how do you help organizations make that change? Is it, it philosophical? To, is it business model related? Is it both? Is it belief so systems? I, I always look at everything just the way a tree works. Okay. And the thing is that a tree always grows from the bottom up. It starts with the root, right? There's the seed that gets nurtured, turns into root, then there's a trunk and then there's the crown. For me, the crown is the business. The crown is the part of the tree that grows the fruit that's exactly where the value creation happens. But why do most business owners and entrepreneurs only focus on the crown? That's all they focus on. If I have people telling me I want to start a business, all they tell me is about the crown, the product, the service, the pricing, the market. 
the strategies, the whatever, you know? And I always tell them that's easy. That's mm -hmm. easy. Man, that's like the last 5%. I can create you 12 business models today if it's just that. The hard part is what is it rooted in? What's the root of that? Where is it connected to the everything? Because the soil is what connects all the people. And that is always, and I have to, it's funny that I even have to say this. Managers with like 30 years of experience look at me like all cross-eyed when I say that. I'm like, all business is people business. And all business is human business. So the root is something human. Businesses themselves, they behave sometimes like they're dealing with androids and aliens, like or with machines and not human beings. Right. But the root is something very human. And so I always help my people first to get rid of the clutter because there's so much. We just talked about that. If you're 35 years old, you have 30 years of clutter on your shoulder. You're just dragging a big, huge backpack of clutter with you. There's no way you will ever get to that crown with all that clutter on your back. There's no way. Nobody can do it. So the first thing is always to identify and remove the clutter because that is the first step in a growth plan. The growth plan means that before you can grow, you need to start at the base. You need to start with zero. And yeah. when it comes to that, the biggest clutter that we have is the mindset. The mindset is the one thing that does not allow for us to let go of the clutter. So I always start with the mindset. What are the stories that you learned that you are still entertaining in your subconsciousness that keep you small? I will never make it. The others will always be better. I will never be a winner. I'm too fat. I'm ugly. I was bullied. I will always be bullied. It's me against the rest of the world. Mommy doesn't love me. All these things. They're like, we have dozens of these stories and we might dismiss them as, yeah, I'm over it. Jay, nobody's over it. Mm -hmm. I talk yeah. to seasoned 65-year-old owners of companies with six, 700 employees. I talk to them for an hour. They up in tears. They're like, fuck. My parents still own me. They're still yeah. there. They, they're still haunting my decision-making. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I see a lot of, I think this, for me, I, I see this as a much bigger kind of umbrella topic, which is like the, the stunted development of, of humans. It feels like humanity has such amazing potential, and yet our development at large is so stunted and suppressed and just wanting to break out, but not knowing how the educational parts of what you're talking about, of dealing with those things properly and evolving as a person to reach your full potential is something that's not taught. No one's really interested in it because Absolutely. employees will pay their taxes, whether they have been fully developed or not. So the system doesn't really care either way right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> They'll still yeah. be engulfed in consumerism and uh, buying junk that they don't need, et cetera, et cetera. And there are certainly good forces and other forces at play too. How do we make this a, a better process to wake up more people? And how do we educate other people in a better way at a global scale? Like, how does this start? Because people have been talking about this for thousands of years. That's why they crucified Jesus Christ. They're like, we don't like this guy's a troublemaker, you know? <laughs> we don't That's... like people. We don't like people who remind us of our humanness. That mm -hmm. is very strange. So we have always crucified the ones that were brave enough to be who they are. And mm -hmm. I think this is an important lesson we should take from all our role models. So I have in my time 
before what I'm, uh, I'm doing now, and even now, I was blessed to meet powerful people, powerful voices in different economies. And here's the one thing that always baffled me when it comes to them. It's how us entrepreneurs, we never get the message that we should take from our role models. We don't understand the value of people that we admire. We always admire people for what they are doing, what they have achieved, but we never admire them for the freedom and courage they had to just choose themselves. That we never see. I think it's hard to measure that. I think for people, maybe they're a little, I don't know if they're, if it's laziness, but it's easy to quantify how much money someone has or how many cars they have. It's harder to quantify their, like you said, their heart, their... Yes, but you know you what, know. Jay? It is and it isn't because that is just the history of brain research. Brain research is very far. We know a lot about the brain and the evolution of the brain now. And we know that when it comes to our mind, there are two sides that cooperate. Whether they are located left or right, we're not clear, but there are two sides. And one is the instinctive side and one is the intuitive side. And I have come to realize that people who are stuck in their ways, the people who are like, you know, trying to imitate models that seem to work, that are trying to just improve upon what's there for their own sake, but not really stepping into their own truth. Those are the ones that act completely on instinct. And the ones, and I'm going to call name, call out names. It's always the same names because everybody knows them. The Steve Jobs of the world, the Elon Musks of the world. These are the intuitive driven people because these people were not driven by the idea. I have a number to hit. I have to somehow survive. Oh my God, I'm driven by this fear. These people are very simple. They're like, I have no choice, but to say what I have to say. I have no choice but to do what I'm here to do. And that is something nobody ever reads the room. When these people are on stage or speaking, nobody gets the message. And the only message of these people is you do you. Find out who is your Steve Jobs? Who is your, what, what is the Elon Musk inside of you? Instead, people try to copy paste what other people are doing. Why do they do that? Because they act upon instinct. They act on fear. Yeah. I always noticed this. I remember when I was a little kid, everyone always said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they give you choices. You yeah. can be a exactly. fireman, you can be a policeman, you can be an astronaut, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, eh, it doesn't really sound interesting to me. And it took me a long time to realize that you don't have to pick something someone's done before. You can do whatever you want. But see and how society wants you to, though? Society endorses yeah. the choices that are there, right? Mm -hmm. I was asked to become a doctor. I started medical school until yeah. I realized I, nothing could be farther from the truth. But that's what I mean when I say you have to know what seed you have in you so you can develop the seed and become the tree you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that is what the most powerful business people of today are exemplifying. Yeah. They're not trying to do anything. They're just doing themselves. And you and brought up fear earlier too. And I'm glad you did. You talked about a fear keeping people from doing things. I think that's a big part of it because to do something new that no one's done before is a little bit scary. It can be scary. Yeah, I mean, I, courage comes into it, right? And but Jay, this, this is where I just get upset because what is life other than taking a risk? We're literally born into risk. It's just that we learn that risk is bad. Mm -hmm. We just learn along the way that Mommy wants you to be safe. Our teachers, oh, I'm telling you this so that you will not have to struggle. Mm -hmm. But look out there again. There's no guarantee. If you're a plant, you just show up. 
right? You just show up. There's no guarantee. No one guarantees you that the winter is not going to be long and that there's going to be enough water or sunshine. You just show up. Mm -hmm. And that is the big takeaway. People don't want to show up because they're like all curled up in a ball fetal position, but they still want to be fed grapes, right? They still want all the boons of life, which is to me, that's such a weird concept. Taking a risk in your life, that is the beauty of life itself. That's the definition yeah. of life. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I think the idea of staying safe, playing it safe, I think those people have so many kind of emotional problems is because they're not really living, are they? They're yeah. living this kind of fake existence that's it's not fulfilling. It's not them achieving 100%. what they're meant to do. There's a lot of, again, incongruencies with that and that we keep coming back to that theme. And I think people feel that. And I think that's a cause for a lot of the self-medication and depression mm -hmm. and all these things is because people are taught to pick one of these things that everyone else does and it worked for them. So it'll work for you and yeah. stay safe and play it safe and don't take risks because it's bad. And I think you're right. I think risk is a fantastic thing. I think you should be somewhat calculated, but you can't be afraid if you live life in fear. That's just not living to me. And I think that that's an interesting topic that, of course, isn't taught anywhere, but we could change that, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. But it all boils down to what I said before. As long as we don't identify the stories that keep triggering our fearful decisions, as long as we don't bring them out into the open, it will stay the same. And for everyone who becomes a parent, it's important that when you become a parent, when you in the same, when you become a leader or when you start a business and now you have people under you, people that you want to connect with a mission, you have a responsibility that goes beyond what we traditionally think. Your responsibility is not to bring your fearful narratives into that setting. That's true leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership means not to poison the pond. But we all do that. I started in my time, I started about seven businesses, but I was in such a horrible headspace. I had all these fear narratives in me. I literally drove people crazy. I programmed them into becoming the worst version of what they already were. I made it worse for them. That's what I understand now because I brought all my programming and I forced it upon them and attached a paycheck to it to make it a little easier to swallow, which is what right. we do. Yeah. And that's where it needs to begin. I beg the world, I beg the entrepreneurial community to understand that any change towards happiness, and in the end, it's all we want to experience joy, has to begin with the mind. It has to begin. It has nothing to do with business strategies, with methods, and technology can support us if we come from the right place. Mm -hmm. If we don't come from the right place, all these things amplify and make right. it work. Definitely, yeah, they're amplifiers. So if we're coming from a good place, we have good intentions, and then they will make things better. Otherwise, yes. they will make it worse. Much worse. Money, for example, if you're a horrible person, you tend to, talk, to bring your toxicity into everything. Being wealthy will make it worse. Mm -hmm. You will be a wealthy, terrible person which makes you powerful in destruction. But if on the other hand, you, you have a clean slate and you actually act tran transform in uh, transformative ways, you can now use the money to actually make a difference. Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What types of clients uh, do you work with? Uh, do you work with any typically entrepreneurs or any sort of vertical that's common in your practice? Can you tell us a little bit about 
what types of people are you looking to work with that you can help? Is there any specific signs that someone might have in their organization that they might come to you to, for help on? So it's, I don't know if you're going to this answer. I work with human beings. That is like my thing. And I have defined, I have this system that I use where I help businesses define that one person. They are the most fit to serve. And I have that person in me. I call her Sarah. And that is a person that is always looking and searching, but is always looking in the wrong directions. So it's someone who's somewhat accomplished. My clients, oftentimes they have an idea of what they want to do, or they have a business that is somewhat functioning. But what's always the indicator is the emotional lack of fulfillment. That's always, I only work with people who know emotionally something is wrong. Something mm. is missing. Something it has nothing to do with the numbers. It has nothing to do with the business indicators. It has everything to do with the emotional indicators. You go home. What is the last thought you have before you go to bed? What is the first thought you have when you go, when you wake up? These are powerful indicators to realize, am I in a happy work reality? Am I in a sad work reality? Mm -hmm. And I'm the guide who helps people transition from the sad into the happy work environment. So I have stopped working with corporate clients. Uh, I used to work with the airlines. I used to work with hotel chains and the like. The problem there is just that a person like me with what I do, you can't really move anything because the system is too big, mm -hmm. right? You have to work with individuals. So I work yeah. mostly with businesses uh, in the insurance field, financing. I work a lot with people in retail, hospitality, but like operations are between like two and 50 people in size. Okay. This is where, to come back to your question, where you said, how can we make a global impact with do, what we're talking about? Do you typically about? work with the whole team or is it like the C-level execs most commonly or individual? I work first and foremost with the people who hold the vision. I have to work with the person whose vision is trickling top down. Because mm -hmm. if I can't get to that person, it's all in vain. It's just cosmetics. Yeah, it's right. just band-aid. This is really, and I really like to work with small businesses because the actions are quick. Yeah. They can achieve a mental turnaround very quickly. They're very agile. They can change quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You know that nothing is worse than inertia. Inertia is yeah. you drop something and then it takes a year. And by then it also is too diluted and too much daily business has happened. And now the message is gone. So that's just the reality. That's how I make my impact. And, and that's part of the courage, courage you have to bring into your business. You have to limit yourself and focus on the point where you make the most impact. I could be greedy and say, yeah, sure. I work for McDonald's. No problem. But A, I know it's not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. And B, what about me? What about my happiness? Right. Right. Which there's no the shortage point. of unhappy people. There's no shortage of people that are emotionally very unbalanced and not congruent with their true selves. So it's yeah. not, there's not a lot of people that need your help. That's for sure. And I can tell you, Jay, there was one event in my new professional career. I've been doing this now for six years. It's when people die. When people die and you're with them and they share with you in the last few moments, regrets. That's when you come to understand what this life is actually about and how misled we are in our mm -hmm. efforts. How most of the things we do, especially in the business context, just does not matter. If you're emotionally void, financially successful, 
You die tomorrow in a car wreck. You have two more minutes of seeing the daylight. You're going to be faced with the bill and you realize, wow. Mm -hmm. All right. So the millions are still in the bank. I'm about to go. What is the feeling I'm taking with me? That last bit of light. And that really helped me realize so quickly. Oh my God. Yeah. I definitely feel really badly for people that don't figure that out. And I went through a similar you know, process in my lifetime too, where early on, I didn't realize a lot of those things. And I learned them kind of the hard way. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did learn them, but it would have been great to, to figure those out earlier on. And there's a lot of people that still need to be reached and to hear your story and to realize that a lot of the things that they think are important really aren't and that they're yeah. missing a lot of things that really are important. And that's not to say that everything that most people are doing aren't important at all. People certainly are building businesses and employing people and making the world spin and loving people and having relationships. That's all great. I just think that it's only part of the picture, right? Like they're missing mm. some of that picture. Yeah, I think you're so right. I just want for entrepreneurs to become accountable. Awareness and accountability is something that I see lacking, especially in American business culture. It's great to have a prototype mindset, a quick go to market, milk the cow and whatever. Cool. But never forget the consequence of your actions, what it means to you and what it does to the system. That's just where accountability is lacking. And that it shouldn't infuriate me. God <laughs> admit, I'm just human. And sometimes it does infuriate me. Yeah. It also motivates me to keep pushing. Seeing over 900 businesses having transition, thanks to me, towards a sustainable and emotionally sustainable model gives me a lot of hope. Gives me a lot of inspiration for my own work because I see that everybody has it in them. That is the other thing. When people tell me, oh, no, that's not for me. That's bullshit. You're human. If you're human, you have they it in you. just don't realize it yet. Yeah. You're not ready to see it. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I can accept that. But if you are and you still deny yourself the boons of happy work, that's on you. Yeah. That is on you. And to take this one step further, let's not forget there are bottom line benefits to this too. If you have a happier workplace, you oh, have yeah. a better, healthier, emotional workforce, yeah. you have a mission that people actually care about and identify with as humans, you're going to make more money. So it's a win. It's so important you mention that. And yeah, I never say this first because that's what people want to hear first. I know. And right? I was like, but I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want you to miss it because there's, there's going to be yeah. some business, some entrepreneurs and business owners that are thinking that sounds great, but I don't know if we can afford it. And it's, you don't yeah. get it. Like it pays for itself. I um, think, it's, you I get think look, looking at Apple during Steve Jobs time makes it amply clear that it pays. I think it does. Yeah. Apple, yeah, it's Apple is Steve Jobs. And to see what, for example, BMW, the brand BMW did in the 80s and 90s as a brand, not today, but back then when it stood really as a mission for something really powerful and stood apart. These brands remind us, wow, being truthful to what you actually believe and infusing your business with that and aligning everything and everything, your practices, your marketing, your sales strategy, everything is aligned always pays. And you know why, Jay? I actually have an analogy for that. I have a great analogy. Who has done that forever? And we never get it as entrepreneurs that they do that. Who does that? Every music band, every band that plays on a stage is actually doing happy work. Every band. Why? Because they don't have customers. They don't have, you know, consumers. They don't have clients. They have fans. 
And what does a fan do different than a customer? The fan will pay any price. The fan will pay a premium. The fan will travel. The fan will buy anything you put out. And the fan has your back. And the no. fan will promote you. The fan will promote you. That Yeah, that's what I mean when he has your back. The, the fan will be your marketing. There are not many clients and customers out there who have a brand's right. back. They're right. just with the brand because of the price. Right. But a, a fan doesn't do that for price. And that's the benefit of happy work. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting fans. example. It's an interesting way to think about it because a lot of business leaders, philosophers always use Apple as an example for a brand that had raving fans and still does have mm -hmm. raving fans. And it's so interesting that you paralleled that to the music industry. And I think, yeah, I think we can definitely learn something from that. Yeah. And you know what strikes you most about musicians to this day is that they don't make music for an audience. They don't care about the audience. If they did that, the music would sound like shit. It would sound like what the people want. Mm -hmm. No, man, the big bands out there, they just say what they have to say. They go in the studio and they're like, hey, I have an idea. Boom. And then they go to market. They go to market and they're like, I don't care what happens. But what happens is that the people find them. The people will have to find them and become fans. And that is the exact same thing with the most powerful and successful businesses. They say, we have value to offer. We're going to offer it. They don't go into, what is it that the people want? Let's give them what they want. Don't give the people what they want ever, because that makes you, again, the same as everyone. And yeah. it doesn't solve problems. But if you say, there's something I have to give, I'm just going to do that. Then you're your apple tree. Then you're true to your seed. That is happy work to me. That is yeah. magical, beyond magical. Yeah, that's a fantastic message. I, I love what you're doing. And I definitely think entrepreneurs are very well equipped to receive your message in a very positive way and go, you know what, that makes sense. I'm getting mm -hmm. it. And yeah, I definitely agree. The leaders, the thought leaders do have a responsibility to, to get this sort of messaging out there and to not be just a cog in, in the machine and to say what needs to be said, even if there might be some negative consequences. And it's always a positive and, and motivating thing for me to see people do that. The, at least the ones who have the courage to do. So. Yeah. We bank um, on them, right? We bank on them. Yeah. So what, how do people contact you if they want to talk about working with you? I'm always welcoming people hitting me up with questions. I'm always available for conversations completely like without any strings attached, because I think it's important conversation. So you can reach me through my website. There are all the contact details on my website, which is why, so why-story.com. And then I have a podcast where I share different aspects around happy work. It's called do, so D-O underscore happy work. And you can catch that any podcast platform. I'm a lot on LinkedIn. I like to look around to share myself. I have posts uh, that I share there and articles and whatnot. And what I also have now, if I may say one more thing. Yeah, absolutely. So every third Wednesday of the month at 11 a.m. PST, I have something that's called open office hour. So it's like you can sign up and then it's a Zoom call with several people and we just share thoughts and opinions around the aspects of emotionally fulfilling work. It's a little bit like 
I talk, but you get to talk, you get to ask questions, or you yeah. get to just sit in. I was and just about to ask you about that. How do we get on that call? Can we do that by connecting with you on LinkedIn? Do you post yes. it on LinkedIn? So I post reminders on LinkedIn. You'll find it on my profile page when a session is upcoming or on my website. There's, If you're willing to do it, there's several ways to catch it. Or you can just shoot me an email, right? That always works. I don't know if we, is it possible to leave the email in the show notes or? Yeah, something? absolutely. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes, whatever you'd like to put there, your website, your LinkedIn, your yeah. email if you'd like to. But yeah, LinkedIn, your forward slash do happy work. And I'm there like the most active on the mind, just normal name. So Olivier Egli, that's where you find me. I'm like, because that's the thing. I'm a human being. That's why I'm approachable. If you have anything, if you feel like weird about your work or you have some questions or you don't know where to go with it, just shoot me a text, reach out. I almost, oh, and I actually, I always reply and just get swamped from time to time. So it might take longer, but please, I want to have these conversations because these conversations need to happen. It's always where it begins. It's how it starts. Can we just say, Jay, that it's important that people like you do what you do because I feel like, you're the multipliers of important messages. It's so great to be invited and be able to spread that message further. So yeah. I really appreciate what you're doing because you're part of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, I, I love it. I love what you're doing and it absolutely is so important and we need to reach more people because this is a really big problem. And mm -hmm. I see that and I, I love humanity. I have high hopes for humanity. Not everything about it is positive, but I think we have the potential to go so much further and be so much better and all of us as individuals are a part of that collective. Just like you always talk about, it really starts with the individuals, with the person. And so it's, I think, a really important message for us to not let any forces or influences, you know, pull us away from the fact that we're humans and mm -hmm. we're supposed to be humans and uh, we're supposed to be humanity first and that sort of stuff. So it was great having you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here and sharing your philosophies and your thoughts. So last question for you here, and I'd love to jump on one of your Zoom calls. It sounds like a, an awesome discussion and uh, to see what people have to say and kind of, what kind of questions pop in there. So I'm going to do that. But do you have any last remarks? Do you have any advice for all the entrepreneurs out there of something maybe functional and practical that they can do to start some of this change and kind of pay some of this forward and help this message get out there more in a way that actually has a positive effect that you can see? What can we do today or tomorrow or for the next week that can help us take your message and actually put it into practice? What I invite everyone to do is... Okay. Keep a journal, start your day with a journal, take a journal and start writing down everything that comes to your mind, everything that has ever happened to you, everything that you know lives inside of you that is acting against your courage, everything that is taking away space in your life, write it down. And here's a trick. It's called automatic writing. Don't write consciously, just let it flow. Tell yourself, my intention is to know myself better. I want to know what is holding me back, what is taking up space, and then be brutally honest. And as you progress, identify the stories, give them names, take out the keywords, line them up so you, that you know what it is that is holding you back, and make it your intention for the future to diminish these stories, to take away their power, to decrease their size, right? Do that. 
everything. I've learned this. I have almost a thousand cases to prove it, that it works. Everything that you learned that made you less courageous, less risk-taking, less willing to choose your happiness, the process can be reversed by making it conscious and then saying, I'm done with this. I'm letting go of this. Yeah, that is a, that's a fantastic exercise. I love that. Thanks for sharing that with us. That is absolutely fantastic. I've, I've done that myself from time to time when I was working through things and, and trying mm-hmm. to take the next step as myself or whoever I was going to become next. And it's absolutely helpful. Yeah, and I love that too. Don't write, just let it flow. Just let it come out on paper. Let it flow. And with that, just one last word, learn to breathe. Learn to breathe. And there's one trick in breathing that has changed everything for me. It's the inside out breath, okay? Traditionally, us entrepreneurs, I'm guilty of it. I did it for over 30 years. We breathe outside in. We breathe in the room. We breathe in the world. Guess what happens when we do that? The world becomes a part of us. So the anxiety, the stress, the competition becomes a part of us. Reverse it. Source the breath in your stomach and then breathe it out into the world. And that's the kind of entrepreneur you have to become. The entrepreneur that sources her or his own value and breathes it out like a tree into the world. That is, it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like Harry Potter shit. (laughs) No, I don't think it does. I think maybe the first time someone might hear it, they might go, that sounds a little strange. I'm telling you, try it. Uh, Because I've done some breathing techniques. And it's amazing how it can change the way you feel and, and oh change God, your yeah. emotional state and change your mental state. It's because it's a physical part of you that's connected to, to all of those things. So it really does work. So I invite yes. everyone to give it a serious try and you will have those positive effects for sure. There you go. Without wow. giving away the cow, I gave you two good things that I think everybody can start with. No, that is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic advice and exercises that you can do right away. Olivier Egli from Why Story. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you, Jay. I really appreciate it.